the presence of God, right? As we have rest, we have grace. What is grace? The, the grace of God. We're talking about the divine enablement of God. God enables us. He causes us to, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He enables us to do what He has called us to do. If God has called you to anything, whether it is uh, a, a church member, which He calls to that, whether it's salvation and living a, a godly life, whether it's being conformed to the image of Christ, whether it's, uh, I mean, you just go down the list, whether it's ministerial, whatever it is, whatever God wants you to do, God has enabled you to be able to do it. <clears throat> and He's the enabler, right? And He's the one who, let me ask you this, if God who created the heaven and the earth, who spoke everything into existence, lives in you, how much enablement is there available for you? That's pretty big, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's amazing how much we un underestimate the ability and the power of God in our life. So we've seen this. Well, what we've been looking at here, and I'm going to finish up today. And uh, again, I said, Lord willing, because you know how that goes sometimes. And uh, we've been looking at that without his presence, there's no rest. There's no grace. Today, I want to finish up here without, his re without the grace of God, without the presence of God. I'm sorry. Without the presence of God, there is no provision. God provides, doesn't He? He provides for us. How many can say that God provides your needs? How many are breathing today? Right? God has provided that your body works. Right? We know that God has, has done that without Him. We, we could not do a thing that we do. Remember when, when uh, I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar uh, had made these grand statements about His power and ability and His greatness of His kingdom and uh, the finger of God came down and wrote upon the wall, Mene, Mene, uh, take you a farson, right? You've been found in the, weighed in the balances, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And Daniel told him, I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he said, The God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. And I'm telling you, it is God that gives us breath. It is God that gives us enablement. It is God that takes up kings and God that, God that puts them down. It's God that gives you your job. It's God that takes them away. Listen, it is Him that does all that we do. He enables us to do these things. And without the presence of God, I'm telling you, there's no provision in your life. There is no provision. He, listen, he, Abra, or, uh, Moses knew Israel's history. Moses knew the covenant that was made between God and Abraham, and uh, he, he knew the covenants that were, that were made there that they were living in or about to live in at this time. The very reason God came and took them out of Egypt was because of the covenant that he had made with Abraham, that the lineage of Abraham, the children of Abraham, eventually would bring forth the Messiah. It happened. It happened. They got the, he promised them land. They needed a land. They promised them a lineage, and God accomplished every last bit of it. And here in Exodus 33, God is in the process of bringing to pass the covenants that he made with Abraham. Notice what he did here. He provides them a land, right? Hebrews 11:25. Moses knew of Jacob's large family here facing starvation in the wilderness. I mean, they, they were getting ready to go out into a place. If you've ever been uh, through Israel, if you've ever been through the deserts there, I'm telling you, there's nothing out there. 
There's nothing there. I remember going down, you get around the area of the Dead Sea, and it's just as far as you can see, sand and dirt and not a tree, and it's hot, and there's nothing there but uh, caves and chasms and mountains and, and just dirt. It's desert. There's at, to this day, with all of our technology, there's nothing there. And there they are getting ready to head out. They didn't, listen, they didn't have the Coleman lanterns. They didn't have the, the stoves to, to make breakfast on the way there, right? They didn't have fifth wheels hauling them along. They, didn't, they were walking through a desert with nothing at all. And uh, except, listen, except the presence of God. Remember what Moses said when, when God said, I'm going to send an angel up with you because they've really messed up and I'm not going to go with them. And Moses said, if you don't go up, I don't want to go up. If you don't go with us, I'm not, I'm not going to go. I don't want to go. He wanted the presence of God. The presence of God. Where, what is that in the presence of God? Provision. Provision. Yeah. No, you can supply a lot for yourself, right? But there's an ultimate provision. I don't care how well you provide for yourself in this life. There's an ultimate provision you will not have without Him. Right? It's called eternal life. Jesus said, I give them the eternal life, right? They know my they, they know me, right? My sheep know me, hear me, and they know my voice. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Provision, God gives provision here in, in the in the book of Exodus. God's going to provide Israel with a land, watch, that was already built. I like this. Do you know when you get saved, you have everything already accomplished? There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing that you need to work out. There's nothing that you need to finish. It's like, well, tell you what, uh, I've given you eternal life. You put your faith and trust in the Lord and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have received my son, God may say, and I've given you almost eternal life. There's just a couple little things you need to take care of, but come on in anyway and we'll work on that later. Could you, that, I mean, that'd make me kind of nervous, right? I mean, that's the belief of a lot of religion out there, right? Well, here's this wonderful thing, but you get to fix the rest of it. Yeah. You can do this, but you can, uh, you can try to figure out the rest of it, right? Or as long as you can keep it, then you, you can take a stab at it again. Must not have been eternal. Joshua 24, 13, And I give unto you uh, a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do ye eat. God gave them everything complete, listen, ready for them to come and dwell and to live, and, and to prosper. You know, when those first group of pilgrims got to the, got to the New World, came to uh, um, Plymouth, what is now Plymouth, Massachusetts there, in 1620, when they landed, there was nothing here for them. There was nothing. They had to do everything. Half of them died for the first winter. Right? There's already a settlement down in Jamestown, 1607. But here, 13 years later, these, these, uh, these Congregationalists showed up, these Puritans showed up, and a lot of them died. They had to start from absolutely from scratch, and a lot of them didn't make it. And uh, listen, God told Israel, when you showed up in the land, it was all ready for you. It was all ready. Everything was there. Hudson Taylor, missionary to China. Uh, one of those uh, great examples of those who just completely trusted in the faithfulness of God. Listen to what he wrote in his journal. He said this, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that His children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect He will send three million missionaries to China. But if He did, 
He would have ample means to sustain them all, depend on it. God's work is done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way. There's a lot of, oh, I tell you what, so many come along and want to do it their way, right? I don't know if that's really what it means. I don't know if that's really what a church should be like. I don't know if that's really what missions is. Well, then why did he write it down? Why waste your breath writing it down? Think about this. We have an eternal God, and this is all he gave us. We have a God who knows everything, everything, everything eternally, and this is all he gave us. It has to be mighty important, friend. It's got to be mighty important, and so many look at this, and they try to find their own way to do it. Don't do that. That that is so unwise. Dig into the Word of God and figure out how God wants it done, and I like what he says. You will never lack God's supply. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So many of you in here have lived that, haven't you? You've watched them. You've headed out. I tell you what, you headed out in somewhere in a direction God told you, and you said, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to be done, and here you are. 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, and he said, he did it. <laughs> We're doing all right. We got full bellies. We have a place to live. God did it. Amen. He'll do it again. Moses knew, Moses knew that there were seven kingdoms in the promised land that would, that would have to be utterly destroyed. There, there's going to be battles with the people at Jericho. There's going to be battles with other nations. Uh, Moses knew that the battles would require the very hand of God. Psalm 33 it is, I believe. Psalm 33, verse 12. The Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. You notice he didn't say blessed is Israel alone. He said, blessed is the nation. Fill in the blank. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know what the sad thing is of our nation? Who's our God now? You know who the biggest God is in, in the U.S. of A? You know what it is. It's self. You look, I mean, 99% of the country, if, if they'd be honest, would look in the mirror every, every morning and pray to themselves and say, good morning, God. What are we doing today? Yeah. Idolatry and self. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Friend, you cannot deny. I mean, are, are we not twisted today? Are we not in a mess? I don't want to get in the message this morning, but my goodness, it, it is upside down. Remember when the disciples first went out and preached in Acts? And it says these are those that turned the world upside down. And we go, no, they didn't. They, turned, they were turning it right side up. It was already upside down. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Moses knew the provision of the land would only come by the blessing of God's presence. So the provision of the land. God gave them land. God has given us land. Hey, there's a land that is fairer than day. That old song says we're moving on. We're going on. We have a land that has been prepared for us. Jesus said, hey, but let not your heart be troubled, John 14. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions Go over to 1 Corinthians. We see that God has built a house for us, right? And I don't want to destroy some of your theology, but you can dig deep in that sometime when you have. God's provided a mansion for us. We're going to get a heavenly body one of these days. And he says, if it were not so, I would not have told you. 
He said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again unto, and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. One of the greatest joys of a land that we're going to. Uh, friend, I don't care about the walls. I don't care about the streets. I don't care about the gates. Listen, they're all made. I know. I know they're gates of pearl. They're streets of gold. They're walls of jasper. Speaking about the new Jerusalem. But it dawned on me one day. It dawned on me one day that, that uh, God thought so little of what we put such a, such a premium on as gold and jewels and pearls that he made streets and roads and bridges and gates out of them. Why? Because there's nothing greater than himself. Jesus said that where I am, there you may be also. You know what the joy of the land that we're going to? It's him. It's him. Do you know him? Do you know him? He's promised us a land. He's promised them a land. Notice the, the, the provision, uh, the presence of God provided them the provision of substance. Right? How many can get along with in life without eating? Right? People say, oh, oh you know, the, and, uh, churches take offerings. Why on earth do they take offerings? I don't know. Lights. Lights are nice. Provisions, right? Chairs. Chairs are nice. I mean, I guess we could sit on the floor. That'd be okay. Chairs are nice. Walls are nice. Air conditioning is nice when it works. Heat's nice when it works, right? All of these things, what they cost money. Do you know to get the gospel into all of the world, it takes money to get them out? Do you know we give to missions and we give to missions? Why? So they can get there and they can live and they can eat and they can drive and they can have shelter and all of these things. You know, we spend, it takes money to print literature. You know, it takes money to print the gospel. Do you know it takes money, money every time on Saturday to put fuel in the van and to, to load people up and for all the stuff and the door hangers and things where we go out every week? It takes money to do it. And God, listen, God, God provides the substance that we need to live the life. He provides it all. We saw in our last study, God, God miraculously provided for, the, for Israel's journey. Right? Remember that manna stuff? They said, what is it? Something they had never seen before. Right? Think about it. God created something that had never been before. Specifically for them. I'm telling you, you get, you get lined up in the will of God and you'll see wonderful things that God will do. Absolutely. Yeah. Came into the promised land. What happened? The moment they went over the river of Jordan and into the promised land, the manna stopped. Why? It wasn't needed anymore. That's why we don't rest on signs and miracles today. That's why we don't rest on whether people's toes grow back and all this stuff. I don't need to know that, right? Still haven't proved it. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah. And listen, I have no problem with God growing toes back, friend. I think he's able. I have no problem with that at all. But listen, what I'm telling you today, the, the, listen, God, listen, God, uh, God provides in certain ways and certain methods, but there comes a time... When, listen, those things changed. They came into the Israel, they came into the promised land, and they didn't need the manna anymore. Why? Because they had, the, they had, the, they had the, the trees and the nuts and the fruit and the land and the water and everything was right there for them, provided for them. Can I tell you, when you come to Christ, listen, after we have a, Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Yeah. You know what a greater miracle is? Is that this has been preserved and we have it today. This, uh, no, friend, statistically, this is a greater miracle than many, many other ones. Hey, you know what's a greater miracle? I was just telling somebody the other day. You, could you please tell me how a dead spirit gets made alive again? That's what happened the day you got saved. The day you placed your trust in Christ personally, that day you had a dead spirit that God made. Just as, as the light, Jesus uh, went back into that body in that tomb and came out alive three days and three nights later. Listen, I don't know how he did it. 
But that day I placed my trust in Christ, my spirit came alive again. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you something, this friend, when somebody is, something as big as God moves in, you better know, you'll know it. And there'll be evidence of it. Not at the same rate as everybody else, but there will be. I'm telling you what, I get, a, I get really concerned of believers that are 30 and 40 years in Christ. They don't know the Word of God. They, 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 they use lingo that just doesn't match. It's like, it's like they had, don't read the Word. I'm like, friend, are, are you sure? Are you all right? They don't get excited about the things of God. The, the songs of, of, of Zion and, the, and, the, and the, the preaching of the Word, there, there's no hunger or appetite or joy. What is wrong? What is wrong? Maybe something... Right. Exodus twelve thirty six. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Man, they went out with all sorts of stuff, jewels, right? Also clothing. Who knows what all they walked out of there with? They just they were throwing stuff on them and giving them just to get out of the land. And it's, you know, just to get away from there, Exodus 16, 15. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it's manna. What are we talking about? The provision of food. It's manna. For, for they wist not what it was, as Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. And is sent down from the Father of lights, where whom is no variable, neither shadow of turning. Do you, hey, listen. Do you view the provisions that you have? Do you view them as coming from God? You say, well, I get up and go to work. Where'd you get the job? Well, I, I, I've, got, I've got the skill to do the job that nobody else has to do. Where'd you get the brain? Well, well I, I, where'd you get the breath? Yeah. Who knows what may be on the morrow for what's your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanished away. You have no, you, listen, friend, you have no, you have absolutely no assurance of tomorrow. Neither do I. It is God who gives us breath to breathe. Yeah. He provides for us, provides for us today. We know what Philippians 4.19 says, right? But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Can I remind you the context of that? I don't ever want to pass that verse without context. It's in the context of missions giving. The churches were giving to Paul for the missionary journey. And he told those mission givers, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I'm telling you what, you get involved. Listen, if you get the heart that God has, God is a missionary and he has a missionary heart. This entire book is a missionary book. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you get God's heart towards missions and towards winning the lost, Right? You know, you have a promise of God, I'll supply all of your needs. How many of you have given to missions so many years? Maybe even the whole faith, pro, faith promise program you've given year after year after year. In some years, you scratched your head and you said, I don't know. Lord's told us to give this. We're going to do it. And I tell you what, isn't he faithful? Isn't he faithful? Absolutely provides over and again. He provides. We saw provision of land, provision of substance. Yeah. God provides. He loves you. He's for you, right? I think we saw that Wednesday night. God's for you. Yeah. It comes to my mind every time I think about it, about the provision of God. When David, David messed up royally. Yeah. I mean, the lowest of low sin that you could commit. David went out and found some other guy's wife, which was his 
high priest's granddaughter. They, they knew each other. Yeah. Saw this gal, adultery, tried to cover it up. The first cover-up didn't work, so he went ahead and murdered her husband. Friend, that's, that's, that's messed up. Totally messed up. Do you remember what God said to David? He said, I gave you, I gave you Saul's, I gave you his, you got the kingdom, you got his stuff, you got the wives, you got, I just gave you everything. And he went on to say this, God said this, and if you had asked, if you had asked for anything else, I would have given it to you. Wow. He said, David, why'd you have to go and do this? If you wanted something else, I'd have given it to you. <laughs> that's, no, that, that's how your heavenly father is, Right. He enjoys, he says, your, your earthly fathers give good gifts. How much more will, they, will our heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You say, that's a great gift. That's the best gift you can have. Yeah. Provision of land, provision of substance. Finally, the provision of victory. Would you look at Exodus 33? Look at this here. For look at verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face, face shall, not, shall not be seen. Throughout this entire study that we've been doing, we've been looking specifically at God's deliverance in the life of His people. God deliverance. We've been looking at the themes of deliverance from bondage. Right? And I do hope you've been able to apply some of these truths over the last you know, 3,500 weeks we've been looking at this, something like that. Yeah. But here we are as we come to the end of this study, and this is the last, last lesson, believe it or not. We are reminded of the real key to victory. In whatever the area of your life where the victory is needed, here's the real key. It's the presence of God. Right. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. You have a problem with the flesh? Walk in the Spirit. What do you do? Walk in the presence of God. Right. We're talking about victory here. And God's presence... There, there's no lasting deliverance apart from Him. You can go to AA and, and they have some benefits to them. You can go to this program and that program and this thing and that thing. You can try this new thing and that new thing. You can read this and you can read that. Whatever the need is in your life, you can, you can go through all of these things. But they will never have the lasting effect in your life like the presence of God does. Yeah. Moses said, I'm not going up without you. I refute, listen, I, I, I cannot walk the path that you've given me to walk with the victory that you want me to have without your presence. He wanted God himself. Yeah. Could you imagine the relief Moses felt when God said, okay, I'll go with you. <laughs> ought to be a relief to you this morning. 
What does God say? What did Jesus say? I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll go with thee. I'll go with thee. Listen to me this morning, please. Our greatest victories in life, our greatest victories in life, whatever, you fill in the blank, whatever the battle is in your life today, whether it's in action, whether it's in attitude, whether, whether it's some, some questions and, uh, of, of unbelief, whatever it is, our greatest victories are going to come through God's presence. Would you listen to the 16th Psalm? Verse 11, it says this, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In thy presence, <clears throat> watch this, fullness of joy. What's that mean? You won't find any more joy. The, listen, when you get into the presence of God, there's nothing left for you to go look to try to find to fill that joy, fullness of joy. What is he saying? There's nothing better. There's absolutely nothing, nothing better. What the songwriters say? You remember this one? He walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own, and the joys that we share as we tarry there, none other, none other has ever, ever known. Question for you today: Are you spending time in the presence of God? Are you spending time in the presence of God? Let me ask you a practical question. What has helped you to spend presence in the time of God? In, in, spend time in the presence of God? What has helped you to do that? Let me give an example of my own life. Several years ago, probably about 2007, 2008, I always read my Bible, always studied. And... Uh, and there, there was not, but I didn't have, at that time, I did not have um, the, an intentionality about it uh, like I did when God began to deal with me about that. I was watching a, a service, a, 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 a preaching service out in California, and the pastor was, uh, was just, you know, preaching along and screaming and frothing and yelling at everybody, you know, like they do. And uh, he, he was speaking about his own father and his own testimony that his own father said. And it's one of those just comments that, that you'll miss if you don't think about it. I don't know. It wasn't like probably written down in his notes or anything, but it was just something that he said out of his heart. And he said, my father growing up was a godly man. And he said this. He goes, every morning when I got up, my father was already up. He was up before everybody in the house. And I knew when I got up, he had already been met with God. He had already been in the word of God. And he had already been in the presence of God before anybody in the house ever got up. And he's made this statement. He said, men, you should be the first one up in your house. Your wife and your children should not be up before you. And you should be in the presence of God before they ever got up. <clears throat> that was a knife. It was a good one, right? The fear of the Lord is clean. I mean, sometimes the, the, uh, the, the, the correction of the Lord is a wonderful thing, isn't it? The lost world doesn't understand how you can have joy in correction. And it started on a trajectory in my life. I thought, that is exactly right. And uh, here's some of the practical thing I had to do. Listen, by 7 a.m., I'm in work mode. So you know what I realized? I'm going to have to get up at 5. I mean, I get up early anyway, but by 5 a.m., I've got to be, I've got to be, sit down, Bible open, ready to be in the presence of God, to meet with God. 
Does it happen every day? It didn't happen every day, obviously. Weird things happen. Things come up. We know that, right? But it was a pattern that was chosen. Listen, it's a pattern I had to choose based upon the conviction of God. The Holy Spirit of God was saying, right here, Bubba, you need to, you need to work on this. Yeah. What's practical in your life? What practical things have you implemented in your life? You know when Peter said, add to your faith virtue and a virtue, when he, all of these add things, right? These are things you have to do, friend. Right? We are enabled to do them, but there are practical things that we have to do when we live the Christian life. Not, not to be a Christian, no, but from, from the standpoint that we are a child of God. Yeah, listen, as children of God, God has a way that He wants His kids living, just like you had a way you wanted your kids living, right? right? Brother Bob, you didn't let Jim get away with everything, did you? Just a few things once in a while. You might have said, you're a Healy, buddy. You're not going to do that, right? You're not going to go out and... I don't think Jim ever was that bad, was he? But uh, no, 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 no. Why do we not think it's strange when our earthly parents have such a thing for us, but we think it's strange when our Heavenly Father has such a desire for us? Yeah. What practical things are we doing to get into the presence of God? You know, maybe this week you need to get alone with the Lord. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God right now is, is dealing with you on some practical things you need to do to stay in the presence of God. Right? Maybe it's some time, maybe it's some different different things with your time. Maybe some things need to be put away and some things need to be put on, right? Maybe some things need to be known. What what is the Lord telling you to do practically to stay in his presence? We used to preach against televisions. I think it's still a good thing to preach against. But now we have something worse. <laughs> now we have a phone. Yeah. It's a so watch, it's a socially accepted addiction. Drives me crazy how addicted it, addictive it is. Sometimes you've got to shut it off, man. You know what I do when I get out of bed? I don't touch it. I can't. It's practical. I can't. You know, I've told you before, you know what will happen? You'll look up some Bible word. Oh, I wonder what that means. Before you know it, you're pff, watching YouTube videos that uh, Michelle Obama's a man. I mean, how do you get there? <laughs> Am I the only weirdo? Oh, boy, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just... Yeah. Practical things. Listen, friend, if you really believe that you need the presence of God and you really desire the presence of God, it's not a big hard thing to make sure practically we order our life so we can stay there in the presence of God. Without His presence, there's no rest, there's no grace, there's no provision. Moses came down from the mountain literally right after speaking to God and the Bible says what his face shone they had to put a rag a veil over his face they couldn't look at him it was like you ever met those believers there's just something about them something about them what they'd been in the presence of God and you knew it you knew it they didn't know it Moses didn't know it hey the one who's genuinely in the presence of God they're not telling you about it they usually don't know it's just a natural part of their life. But those around, they absolutely know. 
Exodus 34, look at verse 29 through 35. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, the two tables of testimonies at Moses' hand. And we came down from the mouth that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to them. And Moses talked with them, and afterward all the children of Israel came nigh. He gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had done speaking with them, he put the veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Right. You know, the New Testament tells us this as well. Right. 2 Corinthians three fifteen eighteen. 18, it says, But even unto this day, Paul writes of this, When Moses is read, this allegory here, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When what to return to the Lord? Well, when Israel's heart returns to God. It's away right now. He said, Now the Lord is that Spirit, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Right. With an open, unveiled face, we see the glory of God as we read His Word, as we pray, the Spirit of God, what's He begin to work in our life when we get to the close, to, into the presence of God? The Spirit of God works liberty in our life. Right. And if the Son of Man set you free, you're free indeed, right? Liberty, freedom. Where is it found? It's found in the presence of God. Yeah. Let me ask you today, I'll leave you with this and we'll be done. Early, wow, how early. Some of you are saying no, it's on time actually. <laughs> so, but would you spend some time this afternoon, this morning, tonight? I'll be praying the Holy Spirit brings it to, to your mind. Would you spend some time with the Lord asking, what do I need to do practically? What do I need to do in, to order my life in such a way that I stay in your presence? Is it possible? Is it possible? That you have, in the busyness of life, I get it, that we get so running around like chickens with our head cut off. You ever seen one of those? It's really interesting. And don't bring the head into the hen house. They get real nervous. I was showing them one. They're like, no eggs. But anyway, we get so busy, so sidetracked like that. See, squirrel. That we get out of the presence of God. No, we get out of the presence of God. He hasn't gone anywhere, friend. We get out. Would you do that? Let me let me challenge you. Let me let me challenge that to you this uh, this week. And uh, and whatever the Lord tells you and shows you, you know, maybe it's a pattern of your morning. Maybe it's a pattern of your evening. Maybe it's maybe it's just the other patterns that are going on in your life. I'll tell you what, besetting sins. Kind of hard to keep in the presence of God when you've given in to those and said, oh, whatever. Right. Whatever the Lord shows you. Let's have the attitude of Moses that if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. May God help us in that.
deliverance. There is deliverance from our bondage. There is liberty. And um, thank the Lord for that. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that, uh, uh, that uh, our sins can be forgiven past, present, and future. We are children of God, and we thank you for that. But we're reminded of this today. We desperately need to walk in the presence of our Father. And Lord, whatever, it has, whatever has come into the life of somebody here today that has caused us to walk away from your presence, discouragement, disappointments, or sin, the busyness of life, just the hecticness of what goes on on a day-to-day basis, whatever it is. God, you know what it is in each and every life, and you'll tell each one what it is. Lord, would you help us, Father, to deal with those things right there, deal with those things right there, that we would stay in your presence. Lord, that we would have that liberty and the freedom in our life that you desire us to have. And then ultimately, little Lord, that you could use us and be glorified in our life in every place that we, in every, every place that we live, that you be glorified there. We thank you for that. And uh, Lord, would you help us as we endeavor to stay in thy presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You got about 15 minutes. What are you going to do?